So anyway, uh, how, how many of you guys, when you go out to the theater, sit through all of the credits till the end of the movie? You do? Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, so, some people may, but it, it looked like just from a show of hands, chances are most of you don't, right? So if you're like most people, as soon as the credits start rolling, uh, that's usually when you grab your coats and your empty popcorn buckets and uh, you start making your way toward the aisle. And, and with good reason, really, because not only are, are all those little names hard to read, all that small print, uh, but in most cases, the credits don't tell us anything we really need to know to have enjoyed the movie, do they? I mean, like, we already know who the stars were. Uh, and then comes this long list of, like, every person who had anything to do with the making of the movie. The, the cameramen, the, the stuntmen, the audio guys, the, the makeup artists, even the catering service, right, is listed. And, and unless you're related to one of those folks, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, who cares, right? That's just me. But that's why most people head for the exit long before the credits are done with their rolling. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, perhaps one of the last things that we do in worship every Sunday feels a little bit like the rolling of the credits after a movie. And that's when I begin to speak the benediction and I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you peace. Because I see you guys, right? I, I, see, I see what you're doing. And when you hear that, some of you begin to tune out. You start positioning yourself for that quick exit. Start, start counting the seconds and, until our Family of God anthem is over so you can grab your things and get to the restaurant, right? And beat the Baptists there. But if so, I hope, I hope that today's sermon will slow you down just a little bit. Just a little. Because the benediction... Uh, is nothing like movie credits. And technically, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. Uh, the beginning of a whole new week sealed in our God's promise of blessing so that uh, when we do leave here today, that we can be a blessing to others. And we're going to be exploring those uh, promises of benediction through the vehicle of our psalm today, our psalm text from Psalm 67. And so I hope you'll join me there. And Psalm 67 is superscribed to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. And the psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So when we're looking at this, I thought, let's, let's begin uh, right at the beginning. And that's with an understanding that this psalm is not just uh, a song, but it's a prayer uh, and a promise kind of all rolled into one. It's a prayer of God's people that his blessing and his rule and reign will be realized and received from the, the tiny little confines of our own homes on out to the furthest reaches of the universe. And our understanding that we, his people, will be the means by which that blessing flows. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Now, now you may say, Pastor, that's a whole lot of theology to get out of just a tiny little psalm. But I'll tell you how we know that. We know that because the first two verses of Psalm 67 kind of splice together two of the most important texts in the Hebrew Scriptures. And the first one is Aaron's benediction, the one that I started out talking to you about. The one that God commanded the priest to pronounce over his people from the book of Numbers chapter 6. And, and we're going to circle around to that. But there's also the original promise of God to Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. And I want you to look there first. So if you're following along, Genesis 12, beginning in verse 2. Uh, when God said to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, so do you see how Psalm 67 pulls those two scriptures together, the, the commanded blessing on the one hand, and the command to be a blessing on the other. See, the idea of God blessing us personally in the benediction, and then in turn, having us be a blessing to others. And here's the principle. God never blesses you except that you might be a blessing to others. Okay? God never blesses you except that you might be a blessing to others. See, God never grants His benediction just to fill us up personally and keep us content, but rather God blesses you to send you out into the world in sacrificial service of other people uh, with the intention that you pass on that blessing, which really means that God is always acting with a larger purpose in mind, even while he's working personally in our individual lives. And, you know, that's really pretty amazing when you think about it, that, that the God of heaven and earth, the, the creator of the universe, the great I am, condescends to give us a role to play in his grand redemption narrative, in, in his plan to save a people for himself, when the truth is, uh, he could bless and save folks a whole lot easier without us sometimes. Amen? i give you a quick illustration. I shared this uh, a while ago, and I've shared it in, in, in Sunday school and Bible study, but you guys can just play along, uh, just to throw it alongside here for a little bit of insight. Uh, when, when JJ and Kitty were still toddlers, uh, and, and Vicky and I still worked for ourselves, uh, since most of the work I did, I could do from home, I got to spend two years as a stay-at-home dad, uh, and it was fantastic. Now, of course, when you do that, though, sometimes you've got to cook. Uh, th thankfully for me, my mother-in-law still did the lion's share of that at the time, and I'm grateful, but I, I cooked a good bit nonetheless, and the kids always wanted to help. So I decided I would make something that was not only healthy, but something that they could theoretically uh, help me put together. And so I decided on tuna noodle casserole. Now, one kid got to put together the wet ingredients, you know, like the cream of chicken and the eggs and the milk. The other kid got to put together the dry ingredients, like the, you know, the tuna and the shredded cheese, the chopped vegetables. And I combined their work with the cooked noodles in the oven for the finished meal. So, so as the father, I have the plan, right? I, I know what I'm making. And I know who's involved, and, and I know it's all going to culminate into a big feast to bless the family. But do the kids really know all of that? No. And, and to be quite candid, as much as I love you guys, it would have been a whole lot easier to do all of that around them while they were napping. <laughs> uh, and, and just skip straight to supper. But there's a really good reason why I didn't. For one, I wanted us to share in the blessing of spending time together. I wanted them to know 
what their dad was like and how I work and how I plan things, how much I cared about what it was that we were all doing together, and I wanted them to work together to accomplish my ultimate purpose. Uh, even though most of the time they just wanted to fight with each other and, <laughs> and about who got to do what and which parts weren't fair and which parts didn't go exactly their way. Uh, maybe you know some grown-ups like that too from time to time. Uh, now that might be a really clumsy parable, but I hope you get the point, brothers and sisters. The Bible says salvation is God's plan. And He wants us to, as we read, use us so that his way may be known on earth and his saving power among the nations, right? His way. And a big part of that plan is in blessing us to be his means of grace in sharing his message and, and inviting people to his table and into his kingdom uh, and encouraging each other within it instead of tearing each other down and magnifying minor issues, knowing that he has promised to save men and women of every tongue and tribe and people and nation uh, like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, a number too great to count. Not because they deserve it. Not because they've earned it. Not because they were smart enough or holy enough or educated enough to figure it all out. But only because of the work of the Holy Spirit to prepare the soil of their hearts to receive the seeds of the gospel. Otherwise, nobody would be saved. You know, that's why Psalm 67 today, that's what it means when it says the earth has yielded its increase God our God shall bless us. And yes, I know that's a, uh, an allusion to the uh, Israelites' fall wheat harvest, but it really points to something greater, uh, to a greater harvest of souls that we are responsible to reach. E each one of us in our, our own sphere of influence and our own individual vocations. You know, it's what the Apostle Paul meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he said, we're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart. Paulus watered it, but it was God that made it grow. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seeds grow. And the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. God's purpose. The purpose to see men and women rescued from a life of destruction while they're here uh, and saved from an eternity of living death when they pass on. And see, when you know that, when you, really, when you really know that, it should fill us with a tremendous yet humbling sense of significance, knowing that you and, and me and every Christian has a part in helping others hear and understand God's plan of salvation. And, and knowing, and, and I guess more than knowing, really acknowledging that each blessing that benefits us personally is also intended to help further the kingdom of Christ. So, so when your father blesses you, he's not doing something just for you, he's also doing something in and through you to affect the lives of others. And so because of that, we can't let the pleasures and the comforts of those blessings blind us to their intended purpose of being a blessing to others. Because uh, you know what? They're not inherently ours to use or abuse any way that we see fit. Uh, we only hold them in trust. Uh, and so we dare not become complacent in handling them like we sometimes do in the benediction at the end of the church. You see, that's why uh, it's important to understand that the benediction is not something the church made up. Uh, 
In number six, when Moses is receiving God's laws and regulations from the Lord directly, we read uh, in verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then he says, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I will bless them. See, that's, that's the commanded blessing. These words were given by God himself to Moses to be passed on to his people because God didn't want his priests to use their own words to bless his people. But he provided the exact formula for the blessing and commanded, thus you shall bless the people and say to them, the Lord bless and keep you. And, and when we do that, God says, I will bless them as they go back out into the world. Because you're not going out with my blessing as much as I'd like to give it. I just get to be the messenger. I just get to be the messenger. That's, and that's why God's intention for his priests is to speak that benediction at the end of worship, just like we do, because God wanted it to be his parting words to his people for that week. Uh, his blessing before they, they left the safety and the, the sanity of the sanctuary the temple in israel and and our sanctuary here in zephyr hills today and go back out into this crazy world that we live in right? this world of chaos uh even the drudgery of of our day-to-day -day concerns and you know when i was thinking about that it really to me it seemed like the language of the benediction was kind of surprising because that's not how i send my kids off when they leave the house is it did you right my parting words to the kids are always things like do you have all your stuff uh, make sure you behave, stand up straight, make, make good choices, right? I always want to holler that out the window when I drop them off at the bus line, but I, I haven't done it yet. But wouldn't you expect God to send us on our way like that? Or, or maybe he'd send us on our way like a teacher might, and he'd say, uh, uh, have me say, okay, class, that was the bell, but before you get up and leave, look at the board, copy down your homework assignments, copy down all the requirements you've got to complete before our next class. He doesn't do that, does he? See, God's not looking to micromanage our every minute and ding us if we slip up. I'll tell you another quick story. Uh, I didn't ask his permission to tell this, but I don't think he'll mind. Uh, something I'll never forget, and I know he won't forget either, that uh, JJ, in his first year at the magnet school, uh, he did a really great project report. I mean, I'm talking about really well-researched, really well-written, but because he didn't turn it in in the right style of notebook, he got an F. He got an F on that assignment. Now, thank God we have a God who isn't like that, right? Uh, he doesn't even send us out like a coach would who, uh, in the pregame prep talk, will say uh, things to his players like, remember all the things I taught you this week. Um, that's up to you guys now. You got to really get out there and play hard. And if you do, we can win this thing. You know, God doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't add one more burden on us at the beginning of a new week. He blesses us. And he sends us out to be a blessing as we share with those around us the witness and the testimony of what we have seen done with and through us here. It's like uh, the Israelites in Moses and Aaron's day must have been especially appreciative of this because they had seen God do amazing things like uh, part the Red Sea so they could escape slavery in Egypt. They had eaten bread that miraculously fell down from heaven. Uh, they had followed God through the wilderness, and he'd led them 
as a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, and he just showered them with blessing after blessing until he brought them safely home. And you know, we're in a similar situation when we get to our benediction today because during our Sunday morning liturgy, just like the Israelites, we have had the opportunity to witness and experience some amazing things during this hour that we spend together in God's house. In this hour where God speaks to us through His Word and through His sacraments, where we are reassured of His love and of His forgiveness, where He strengthens us, and where He's listened to our prayers and to our praises. And now, now when we're ready to leave God's house and into the real world once again, where we're going to face temptation and heartache, but we know that before we go, God promises to bless us. And not only that, he promises to go with us. And even more incredibly, he promises to send us out with a smile. You know, that's why the blessing says, the Lord make his face to shine on you. And you know, that must have been really a surprise to Moses. After all, God had once told him that no one could see God's face and live. And you know, that's true. Our fallen nature can never stand in the righteous light of God uh, any more than you and I could stand in the middle of a bonfire and not get seriously hurt. And so we might ask, why would we want God's face to shine on us if we're sinners? How can God grin when he sees and when he knows all the rotten things we do in a week? Or all of the sinful thoughts we entertain? But God does smile when he looks at us, and he can, because standing right beside us, he sees his son Jesus, who paid for our sins. Because you see, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees our Savior. He looks at us and he sees in the words of 1 John 1, the blood of Jesus, his son, that cleanses us from all sin. And not only that, but puts us right with him so we can live in peace and be free to share that with everyone around us. And you know, that truth is really brought out in the third part of the blessing, which says, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Because you know, the truth is God doesn't just tolerate us for Jesus' sake. He really loves us. And so he turns his face to us, turns his full attention to us, uh, just like a father who's lifting his little toddler up in the air, looking at him with a big smile, just beaming with delight. Uh, and that little one's doing the same back because he has his father's full attention. And you know, you and I have God's full attention too. You really do. That's the promise of the benediction. You know, what you don't see in it when we read it from the English translation of the text, but the word you throughout the benediction is singular. Because, you know, although God uh, gave Aaron the high priest and told him to, to speak this blessing to the whole Israelite nation, all two million of them, God thought of them as individuals. And, you know, brothers and sisters, he still does today because whoever you are, God is speaking directly to you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to protect you. He wants to be gracious to you. He wants to give you peace even if you don't always realize it. God wants you and me to be at peace when we leave here. And now you might say, well, pastor, if that's true, then why doesn't he just give me a million dollars so I can uh, take care of all my bills, wipe out all my problems? That would definitely make me at peace. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but see, that's how the world thinks, right? You know, that's, that's actually how Deion Sanders thought. Do you guys remember him? Yeah. One of the most gifted athletes probably ever, uh, the only one ever to compete in both the NFL and the MLB championships, he said that in an interview the night after his Super Bowl win, uh, when humanly speaking, right, he was at the pinnacle of, of life and career. He had 
uh, all the fame he ever wanted, all the money he could spend. In fact, in the interview, he said that night uh, he had just ordered a Lamborghini over the phone from his penthouse hotel room. Okay? But realizing he had just attained every goal he ever set for himself, uh, that night he realized he felt completely empty. Uh, so empty that he briefly but very seriously considered committing suicide. That night. But through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Sanders gave his life to Christ instead, and now he shares that blessing and that testimony all over the world as an outreach to others. And, and you know, he can do that because of the peace that only comes from the forgiveness that Jesus won for us. And, and you know, we who have experienced that same peace are going to want to share it. And not just share it, but be the first to share it. Share it through our actions and through our attitudes uh, as we carry God's benediction outside of these walls to our families uh, and to our friends and to our neighbors, to everyone. So today, don't let those words of blessings roll off you like the credits roll past on the screen at the end of a movie. Uh, even though you've heard them a hundred times, I know that. Uh, even if the message is, is over 3,500 years old, those words are not old hat. They are divine promises. So don't look at the benediction as merely a signal that church is almost over and you should start gathering up your stuff because uh, God still has something really important to say to you. Something to say to you before you leave his house and he wants you to really hear it and really receive it so you can pass it on today to someone else. Will you do that? Amen. Let's pray.